Hello and welcome to Not Your Grandma's Attic. The Croom the (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Keep going. Hello and welcome to Not Your Grandma's Podcast, the true crime podcast where we discuss antique or bizarre media that we have unearthed. I'm your co-host, Kat. Uh, I'm your co-host, Caleb, and we're a true crime podcast now? Yeah. (laughs) I fucked up my own joke by... (laughs) By, um... By messing up my words. Ah, but. very good. Also, mid that mm. intro, Scout pushed over a vacuum cleaner and made a very loud bang. So, oh, good job, Scout. We're proud of you. I support Scout. I think I need to turn my gain down. I should have done some actual audio testing before I, you know, started recording. <laughs> started recording. But okay, and today we will be discussing a book. That I've put together in about an hour because I was originally going to um, do Billy Graham's biography that I got for six dollars from the Walmart like bin the the um, what's it called the bargain bin the unloved bin yeah see I could find some pretty bomb things online about him but I thought it'd be kind of boring to tell you about the book because the book was pretty boring pretty basic christian stuff i don't want to completely you know offend christians out there i mean other than the fact that billy graham is an anti-semite and um yeah that's about it he was up in there with uh nixon so and he didn't like women to do anything he stopped his wife from well, she was originally going to go to Tibet to preach to you know people and he was like nah marry me instead and he stopped his um, daughter from going to nursing school so that's kind of a bummer but anyway all our faves are problematic it's okay <laughs> maybe one day we'll I'll listen to the Billy Graham tapes of him talking to Nixon and that might be a good time but until the day we're going to be reading a book this is our first novel on the podcast hooray and I'm not going to tell you the name of this yet it's a very, it's a pretty famous novel. Oh. It's from Canada. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? A famous novel from Canada. There's not that many famous novels from Canada, so. So, um, I'm going to describe the synopsis to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then we'll go from there. So, and then I'll tell you all about the book, and we'll read some reviews on it, because I think they're hilarious, but... So this book takes place in the district of Egoma in northeastern Ontario. Also, I am reading unabashedly from Wikipedia. I hope you're that's okay. Not um, okay. So there's a it's very wooded. That's pretty exciting. Almost all the story takes place in and around an old octagonal house in a small island in a remote on a remote lake. The location carries island is fictitious, located north of Highway 17. Pretty exciting stuff right there. Basically, um, the story, uh, it revolves around our main character, Lou. She's a 27-year-old librarian. And she is, so this book that's out in the middle of the Canadian forest, um, there's this house and the institute she works for, it has, it's been donated to them. And she has been sent to go and document like all the books and stuff there in the in the only way you could in the 1980s, which this book was published... Oh, never mind. This book was published in 1976. So it's an old one. 
I also should have said this at the beginning. Um, I didn't buy this book. I rented it from archive.org. Well, very good. borrowed it. So do you know what it is yet? No. You still don't know what it is? Okay. So um, lonely and isolated, Lou enters into a sporadic sexual relationship with the estate's caretaker, Homer Campbell. She becomes closer to the bear, aided by... Wait, oh, I skipped over a whole paragraph. I, I know what it is now. <laughs> Lou struggles with her emotional balance and her relationship with her work. She slowly begins to approach the island's resident bear, who was a pet of the late colonel. Lonely and isolated, Lou enters into a sporadic sexual relationship with the estate's caretaker, Homer Campbell. She becomes closer to the bear, aided by an elder First Nations woman, Lucy Leroy, which we're going to hear... Which... I must admit, I I read this book two months ago or so, and I just kind of skimmed through it to get some juicy quotes this time. But I'm pretty sure there's only one time when we see Lucy, and we're gonna we're gonna read through her dialogue, and it's pretty racist and hilarious. Um, but not racist because not hilarious because it is so ridiculously racist, and also the crazy thing she says, not because racism is something I find funny. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> Same <laughs> Okay. Her relationship with the bear becomes sexual as well as spiritual. As her work comes to a finish, the bear scratches her deeply in the back. Her bond with the bear is altered, and Lou leaves the island with a sense of renewal. So, Ye- you do know what yeah, this book is now. This was the book that started the idea for this podcast. <laughs> yes. And I was waiting until we had good audio to do it. And also for a week when I wasn't prepared. (laughs) You know, the fifth whole episode. (laughs) On to a good start. Um, So the Canadian Encyclopedia notes that the book has been called the most controversial novel ever written in Canada. And the notoriety around its subject matter brought Engel to national attention for the first time. Um, It was mostly received well by critics. I, it seems like one of those books where critics found it really, critics really liked it, and regular people just did not. I'm I'm glad that like you know, when it comes to controversial books where, where from other places, you know they tend to have you know very very deep meaning and like just terror or like just you know what i'm trying to say like controversial books from other countries are very just heavy and whereas controversial books from canada she fucks a bear and like i mean this won an award it says it up here at the top it's the governor's general's literary award so like you know it's um i mean it's won awards like in must I say, Marion Engel isn't a bad writer. Writer, sorry, she isn't a bad writer. She um, she does like to use metaphors and similes. I would argue too much, and adjectives are her favorite type of word to use. Like it's just such. It's sometimes it's pretty um thick to uh. What's the word? Not thick. Uh, when you read something and it's um dense yes a little bit dense sometimes it's a little bit but it is really good description like she's not a bad writer or anything i kind of want to read her other books now although they're probably not nearly as interesting because i i could kind of skim through the boring parts and get straight to the bear fucking on this one (laughs) um under reception here on wikipedia this is how 
I found out about this back in the day. In 2014, the ba- the paperback cover became an internet meme thanks to a widely shared Imgur post titled, What the Actual Fuck, Canada? This exposure led to a modern reappraisal of the 1970s novel, including new reviews, commentary, and a place in the Canadian Broadcast Corporation's 2014 list, Books That Made You Proud to Be a Canadian. <laughs> um, a 2014 National Post review by a literature critic, Emily M. Keeler, called the book the best Canadian novel of all time. <laughs> and a qu- <laughs> Oh, and there's someone down here calling it a quintessential Canadian book. So it's something you need to read definitely before you visit Canada to truly understand. <laughs> I mean, country you're in. it's the only book I've ever heard of coming from Canada. So there's that. I, f- I honestly feel sorry for Canada because like the United States is such a centerpiece for pop culture and um other things that like it must feel kind of overwhelming to be right next to that and have your culture just overwhelmed by america's presence yeah i imagine right now they don't feel super um sad to not be american considering the whole we're dying from corona over here but it's true. Yeah, culture-wise, it does. Yeah, it does seem. Uh, maybe it's different if you live there, though. Maybe it's like nice to not. You know, I don't know what I'm looking for here. My mind is blank. I'll cut this out of school. <laughs> so, to understand this meme, this that I've been wanting to read this book for forever, ever since I saw the Imgur slash like Tumblr post about it. And um, so on the front of this book, this little paperback here, which one day I would love to own. So if anyone out there, any of our two or three listeners wants to buy me The Bear by Marion Engel and send it to me, um, email us at notyourgrandmasaddictpodcast at gmail.com and I will get a P.O. box and you can send it to me. Um, But it's just a regular 1970s paperback and it's got... A, a bear and he he has his arms not really around just kind of behind a woman who is laying into him and she got her boobies out and she's covered in blood and yeah that's basically it the vagina is covered <laughs> would like to say good we don't want uh we don't want that thing here that's too it's too much it's too much too much we don't no, no vagana. And now we return to my favorite website, goodreads.com, where we will read some juicy takes from the readers of this book. So Marion reads four months ago on her shelves, dumpster fire and literally painful to read, wrote one star. She fucked a bear. She literally fucked a bear. No, this isn't some euphemism for a beefy gay man. She motherfucking literally fucked a literal bear. What the hell? Okay, so I'm not a cultured reader. I mostly... I read mostly YA. And, well, that's about it. But I am a reader. A layman reader. So here's the review from a casual, just-for-fun reader. She fucked a bear. For the record, did I pick up this book knowing... There would be bear fucking? No. I picked it up because I wanted for once to read a novel. I wanted one of those fancy English students read this sort of novels. I found this 120-ish page book on the suggested reads table at my local library. Here's the blurb from the back. 
Marion Ingle, one of Canada's most celebrated and provocative novelists, died. The short and controversial novel Bear, her last and best-known work. It sounded good. It had all the hallmarks for a cultured reading, right? It won prizes. It's by a, a treasured national author. It was controversial. I was pumped. Watch out, world. I'm going to get cultured. The book started off okay. It's a bit pretentious, but it was manageable. There's an isolated island house donated to historical society. <laughs> society. <laughs> uh, blah, 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 blah. And we'll skip here a little bit. It's basically just talking about stuff. About um, kind of summarizing the book. At this point, the book wasn't too bad. It wasn't particularly gripping, but hey, not bad. And then we get to the first look. As she sat down, she realized the bear was standing in his doorway, staring at her. Bear. There. Staring. She stared back. (laughs) Again, not bad. She starts to befriend the bear, bringing him food, petting his fur, giving him anthropomorphic characteristics. Essentially, all the things that even a five-year-old knows not to do with a wild animal. Which, let's just stop here away from this review for a second and say that, like, it's not. I guess, okay, it is a wild animal. As someone who keeps exotic animals, it is a wild animal. But it had been raised as basically a pet, so... Okay. I'm just saying. So it wasn't an entirely wild bear. It was somebody's pet before? Yeah, so basically, like, you know, she's a librarian. She's here at this random house. And she... Um, she's, like, walking around it. And all of a sudden, the groundskeeper's just like, Hey, bro, I'm just letting you know the old owner, he had a pet bear. And they've had pet be- bears here since, like... The before times, like since they built this house, they've had a bear and this is like the bear's great, great, great grandbaby or whatever. Um, I don't think it's actually genetically related to the other bears, but there's like a long line of bears here for this family. And um, yeah, they just kept pet bears and they just keep it kind of chained up in a little doghouse cabin sort of thing, which is pretty exciting. Okay, not a feral bear. Yes, it's not a feral bear. It's been around people. So they're exaggerating. Also, I love how this uh, the person writing this review, like that all they've read before is Hunger Games and Divergent, and then suddenly Harry Potter, and, s- and, suddenly- and then the ne- the next book they read is this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, this was definitely. I'm not gonna say it's a better book than the first Hunger Games. Um, it was a different kind of book. Because I think Hunger Games is the only one out. No, I read I read some of Harry Potter. Uh, my yeah, definitely better than Harry Potter. My my opinion is that Harry Potter is overrated. Have you ever read all the books? Yes, I have twice actually. Um, really, you're allowed to read those as a kid? Uh, no, and then yes. It, at first, no, and then uh, my dad found out that Harry Potter is a Christ allegory, and then it was I was then allowed to read it. Is Harry Potter a Christ allegory? Yeah, well, he sacrifices himself in the end for, um, you know. Yeah, but he fucking lives. Yeah, yeah, a Christ allegory. Yeah, no, but Christ, like, you know, went to heaven to wait forever to... Oh, no, wait, no, 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 no. He, he, he dies on the cross and then comes back three days later. That's the whole, like, crucifixion right. thing. And then, he, and then he flies into the sky. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> that was that's my that's my experience with Harry Potter, um, and I uh, I was a teenager when I was allowed to read them, and I wasn't able to really do a lot of things, so I ended up reading the whole series twice, and in retrospect, it wasn't that good. 
but I thought it was good at the time because it was like the the only like <clears throat> um like young adult fiction I had read. That makes sense. Yeah, I read young adult fiction like as an early teenager, and that was kind of my thing. I did not read Harry Potter until I was seventeen, and I think I was really bored one summer. Well, yeah, it would have been the, like the summer between junior and senior year of high school. And I would just, um, I think I would print the pages to PDF because we didn't have Wi-Fi in my house. We only had one Ethernet cable. So I'd hook up my laptop. I'd print all the pages to an illegal copy of Harry Potter um, to PDF. And then I would read them and then like go back, sneak back in the middle of the night and like get the next book. And I de- it's definitely one of those things where... It's not well written, but you really get involved with the characters, sort of thing. I don't know if you had this a similar yeah, um, absolutely experience. But yeah, no, we all fucking hate rolling these days. So, all right, so Julie, uh, one year ago, three stars, and we're just gonna read the beginning of this. Hmm, what happens in Canada stays in Canada, eh? God bless 1976 when a book about a lonely bookish woman who sent up to northern Ontario wilderness for work has sexy times with a bear wins the Governor's General Award. For those who don't know, this is Canada's most prestigious literary prize. It's like winning the Pulitzer or Man Booker in my country. Apparently that year, Bear was selected by a jury that included none less, nonetheless, than Margaret Lawrence, Alice Munro, and Mordecai Rickler. What the what? I don't know who any of those people are. I'm obviously not with it in the literary world. So I don't know who any of those people are either, but I don't pretend to know anything about literature, so I feel like it's okay. From one year ago, there's something so formal and restrained and lovely and lonely about this novella. It is. She gave it five stars. Let's see. Nate D. rated it four out of five stars. Recommends it for wilderness vacation reading, sort of. I was like, when you go on your wilderness vacation and you want to read a story about having sex with a bear to really get you in the mood. You know, honey, have you ever thought about having sex with a bear? (laughs) Diana, eight years ago. So this is pre-2014. So it's pre-meme. Unconventional sex and sexuality interests me as a general rule. What interests me most about novels that deal with taboo sex is not the taboo per se, although there is something to be said about reading descriptions of the forbidden that is erotic in and of itself. What I'm chiefly interested in is how taboo sex can answer questions about ourselves, and when we examine depictions of these forbidden encounters, strange intimacies, and abject eroticisms, there are things to be discovered that can be discovered in no other way. I think some people just come on Goodreads to write, like, straight up essays about these books and I applaud them because they add nothing like they're gaining nothing from this other than their own enjoyment so also uh, we'll get it we'll get to this 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 um this commenter brings up something an issue I had big big with the book so, Carolyn Classen rated it 2 out of 5. In Ingalls' novel, Lou and Bear's relationship is not consensual. Many of their encounters are sexually abusive, verging on rape. Mm, rapey towards the bear or the woman? Ah, 
And so we will learn. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. Can <laughs> bears give consent, Caleb? What's your opinion on this? I mean, in a, in the context of a novel, I mean, in real life, absolutely not. But in the context of a novel, the bear might have some, uh, you know, some human traits that make it more able to say yes to the sex. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, I need to make a Goodreads account because I could totally, like, rate this now. Also, it has 570 reviews, and it has 3.48 out of uh, five stars. That's well, pretty wild. It's like, Goodreads seems kind of like uh, rate your music for music or letterbox for movies where people just write long-ass paragraph after paragraph reviews like they're a professional reviewer but nobody will ever read the review ever. <laughs> hey, I just read some of those. I read more of them while I was researching. It has been a long hour of me researching this, must I say. All right, so let me pull up my screenshots here because as we all know, archive.org no longer allows us to borrow books for a long amount of time. And now you can only borrow them for an hour. So screenshots are all we have now. An hour is not enough time to read a book. So today, oh, sorry, scratch that. And so now we read some excerpts from Bear by Marion Engel. Some of my favorites. So this one is from the groundskeeper. He has just told her about the bear. I don't hold any brief for bears. I don't know what that means. I don't hold any brief for bears. I don't like pet animals much, to tell the truth. I like a dog if he's a good retriever, and the odd time I've taken in some critter that's been hurt. But the Carries had this thing about keeping a bear, and when the colonel died, what could you do about it? There it was. So without saying much to the lawyers, we kept it. Joe and Lucy took care of it. It's got a shed of its own back there, the original log house. You're from Toronto. You'll love a log house. It's kind of an old bear, but not too bad-tempered. I didn't know what to do when they said they were sending a woman up here. I'd expected a man. I don't know why. I like the idea that pushing this random bear, because they expect her to take care of it and feed it dog food and stuff. <laughs> like, they they expect her to take care of the bear to some degree. And, like, a man was going to handle that. Just a random man from Toronto was going to handle that much better than a woman. Also, you said she fucks the groundskeeper too, right? Yeah. Wow. So she really, she's really getting around in this book. Well, you see, she's sexually frustrated in this book. I would say, so she talks sometimes, and I don't know if I included them in my screenshots, but like basically she's had some bad encounters with men. She's had some encounters with women. I think she describes it as women made me want men or something like that. So she's not, um, she, they don't. They, you know, they obviously don't go into detail. But basically, she's had lots of sex. She's fucking her boss, like on the side. We never really resolve that. I guess because it's a novella, they don't have to. But yeah, she's lots, lots of sexual frustration. And um, but the bear is her only sexual partner that she's ever loved. Ah, uh, that makes sense. This quote is just kind of for fun because I thought it was hilarious. One of her country uncles used to say, when his luck turned good. I'm sitting with my feet in a tub of tub of butter. Sounds about Have right. Have you ever heard this? I I mean, like, 
sounds like a, a, a deep south thing to say. I don't know about. I don't know if Canadians have the same uh, southern culture up there. Um, that sounds the like something that uh, that they'd say down here. Some backwoods shit. All right. The morning light was dappled, fallow, green. A moving presence at the windows. The kitchen swam with an underwater gloom. When her breakfast, and I fucked up and clicked away from my thing, when her breakfast was cooked, she carried it out to the stoop of the woodshed to sit in the light. As she sat down, she realized the bear was standing in the doorway, staring at her. Bear. There. Staring. She stared back. I realize now that this is the same quote from the... from the, um... the review. <laughs> Everyone has once in his life to decide whether he is a platonist or not. Platonist? Platonist. I think this podcast has only truly come to show that I can't pronounce words uh, and I can only speak one language and that is English. Same. Same, same, same. It, it has truly come to show that I'm not as cultured as I wish I was. So, And to make me look stupid, which is fine as long as it's funny. I am a woman sitting on a stoop eating bread and bacon. That is a bear. Not a toy bear. Not a poo bear. Not an out airlines koala bear. A real bear. Half a bear, actually. And not a very big half, for it lay tentatively in his doorway, so that she had no idea of its size. It was only a dusty bulk of blackish fur in a doorway. It had a long brown snout, and its snout had a black, dry, leathery end. It had small, sad eyes. They stared at each other as she ate, sizing each other up. It was no less small-eyed when it turned full face toward her. Its gaze was not direct. It was diffused at, by the angles of its skull. This long brown snout with these small eyes turned towards her. It did not seem menacing, only tired and sad. The only sign of animation was a quivering at the nostrils and the sound of her fork on the enamel plate. The sexual tension already, already there. I just thought it was funny that she's just watching the bear and the bear's watching her while she just eats. I don't know, that just, just tickled me. <laughs> and then because of the one thing she knew about animals was their enormous and, it seemed to her, parasitic hunger, she went into the shed and scooped dry food from a sack in the basin that sat beside it. Then, she, This she took gingerly to the bear. It looked perhaps a little brighter as it quickly curved an arm out and pulled the basin to it and put its jaws inside. When she looked up again, as if for permission... Wait, read that wrong. Then it looked up to her again as if for permission. No, she thought. More likely it wants me to go away. And then she just kind of watches it. Pretty exciting. Its nose is pointed. She gives it water. A bear, she whispered to it. Who and what are you? Bear did not reply, but turned his head toward her with a look of infinite weariness and closed its eyes. She sat for a long time smoking, drinking coffee and staring at it. She had taken some nephews to a bad movie about bears once. That was all. What what movie do you think that was? <laughs> mm, okay, Google. <laughs> bad movie about bears from the 1970s. Wasn't there like a Disney movie with like a bunch of people running around in like bear mascot costumes? And they were like in a band and they were a family. I mean, did I dream of that? Is that that was something Wait. that was real? 
<laughs> what did you say? They were like, they looked like people in bear costumes, but they were supposed to be real bears. And um, oh, you mean um, and he's like he's like uh, tannish yellow. He lives in the house, bear in the big blue house. No, no, no. It was a Disney movie, and it was like a family, and they were like went on adventures, and they were in a band or something. Oh no, the that's real. Country There's bears, whole... country bears, something like that. Yeah, the um, country bear jamboree. That's a whole like ride at Disneyland or Disney World. No, it's Disney World because I saw him when I went when I was seven or whatever. It's a really boring ride. Don't go. But yeah, so 1976, um, the Bad News Bears came out, but it's about a, um, it's a baseball comedy. So yeah, that was um, that was what my mom called my soccer team when I was a kid. That's not very nice. We uh, we had this wonderful habit of winning our first game of the season and losing every single other game after that. I didn't realize that you played baseball as a kid. Not baseball, soccer. Oh. Recount your soccer stories to me. Oh, um, well, I remember uh, I used to play defense because I wasn't very fast, but I was I was better at protecting the protecting the goal. Um, but not that great, apparently, because one of my standout memories was um, it was like a penalty kick where everybody stands in front of the goal to block it while the other guy just takes a pot shot. Um, and he and he hit me right in the face with the ball. <laughs> And I remember his coach screaming at him, how did you let Caleb block that ball? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. That's good for the self-esteem. <laughs> Damn, that coach sucked. He, uh, well, he not really. He was like uh, Statesboro's big co- coach. Like he taught all the good soccer teams. And uh, he went on to teach my sister's team when she was old enough to play soccer and they never lost once. So, that's just the story of my life. Okay, but, like, how many children's soccer teams are there in Statesboro alone? Um, not very many. I mean, there's enough that you can play against another one, apparently. I mean, there was, like, the rec department um, where we had, when I played, the younger you are, the more teams there are, which makes sense because once you get older, you start playing for your school instead of the rec department. Um. Yeah. I think when I just when I was about too old, there was four teams. Three of them were Statesboro, and one of them was Brooklet. Hmm, that makes sense. Brooklet be small. Yeah. All right. All right. Hmm? No, never mind. Continue. But I'm learning so much about you. <laughs> we're all learning so much about you. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's plenty of time for that. <laughs> Um, I was talking to date this woman. Um, we were talking about how we're both in school and she's studying intelligence and analytics. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's super interesting. And like what she wants to do and what I was studying and stuff. And, and she started talking about her son and how he um, is really strong. I'm like, oh, that'll come in handy later, you know, once he's like, once he's in school and stuff, because he's only two. And she was like, yeah, you know, we're all really sporty over here. And I'm like, I wish I was sporty. And she was talking about how she could do. Uh, she did track all through school and stuff and I'm like bruh I went for like a 30 minute jog one morning three weeks ago and I'm still hurting from it (laughs) (laughs) I think I've given up on trying to be sporty it's not in my blood I definitely understand that physical had a similar problem I'm sorry physical activity makes uh 
it's it's not my strong suit i um ashley has asthma and you know which is understandable as to why when she walks up the three flights of stairs to our apartment she's out of breath whereas i do not have asthma but am more out of breath than her when we go up the three flights of stairs Oh, what a mood. Hey, at least you didn't fall down a flight of stairs like I did after my aerobics class last semester <laughs> and twist your ankle and think it was broken. <laughs> to be fair, if I was in your situation, I probably also would have done that. At least you don't have to take aerobics, right? No. Or you don't have to take a PE for your... No, not. I already did mine and it was bowling. I served my time. God damn, lucky bastard. All right. And so... We get to the part where she, there's a lot of weird um, focus on defecation and urination for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. I probably didn't read it well enough or deeply enough, maybe, which is completely possible. But Maybe this is um, kind of like the thousand, 10,000 Dreams book where um, reading into it kind of reveals the author's fetishes. Oh, wait, maybe so. Although it didn't say that in the book. That's just something we gathered. <laughs> well, she was oddly specific. Oh, you mean the author of the... Yeah, the author of the book. And like, book. you know, I feel like it has to reflect on the author when every single meaning of a dream has to do with sexuality in some way. All right, so tell me what this paragraph means. She sniffed again. Snow had its own cold smell. She put her boots on and went outside and peed in it, wondering how many years that had been since she had yellowed snow. There was no sign of the bear. He had crawled into his byre to hibernate again. She wanted the, the bear to. Expert. She wanted the bear to see her pee. That's what I. That's what I think. Oh well, we're about to get there. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I'm tired of saying things that I think are a joke, and then it turns out to be real. We're getting there. All right. His bigness, or rather, his ability to change the impression he gave to his size, excited her. Yesterday, he stood there staring at me like a fur coat, she thought. And today, he looked like some kind of raccoon. That's a big-ass fucking raccoon. <laughs> okay, anyway. She went to the window to see what he looked like now, and she heard a very odd kind of sound. A crooning or mourning. Yet from her air, she could see nothing. She went downstairs, out the back door. There, on the stoop, sat an old, old woman. She was babbling and crooning to the bear. She was an old Indian woman. She looked like the woman who used to peddle bittersweet on the street when Lou was a kid. Damn, Lou's old. Okay. Well, let's see. This was nine. This is seventy-six. So she would have been born in like nineteen fifty or nineteen forty-nine. Assuming this is taking place in the year it was written. <laughs> let's see. A toothless old Indian crone in many cardigans and running shoes, ten cents a bunch, and Lou bought it. And Lou bought it, and her mother said it was a waste of... Oh, we're still talking about that. Okay, rewind, Caitlin. She was an old Indian woman. She looked like the woman who used to peddle bittersweet on the street when Lou was a kid. A toothless old Indian crone in many cardigans and running shoes, ten cents a bunch. Lou bought it, and her mother said it was a waste of money, a form of begging. She was babbling to the bear, who lay... Who lay half in, half out of his shed, watching her closely. One of his eyes winked closed. Lucy Leroy looked around, almost at once. It's our girl, Lisi Lucy, who I'm pretty sure we only see once. I didn't notice her again, but maybe I'm just not, you know... What's the word? Um, 
observant. Because <laughs> like I said, I was skimming a little bit this time through. Let's see. Lucy Leroy looked around almost at once. Allo, she said, looking out, holding out a weathered hand, smiling with toothless gums. She was totally withered. Lou imagined the body under the old pin clothes, imagined its creases and weatherings, the old thin dugs. I will be like that, she thought. That's kind of rude to be imagining someone's naked body. You just met her. I often, uh, as soon as I meet somebody, imagine them naked and what they look like under their clothes. And then also think, I'll look like that someday. Every time I see an old person, I think, I will be old one day. (laughs) You just, you know, you're walking around Walmart. You see an old lady walking around and you go, damn, I bet her boobs are real saggy. She's also just barely met this woman. They've exchanged one word, and she's basically compared her to a beggar. And also, you know, I guess Indian was okay to say back then, but she often just refers to the Indians. Maybe that's an okay thing to do in Canada. I doubt it is, though. Let's see. But the woman's eyes were alive as oysters. She held out her hand. New lady, she said. New lady. Good bear. Good bear. I didn't hear your boat. Lucy grinned unnervingly, still holding onto her hand. Good bear, she said. Good lady. Good take care of bear. I don't think I really know how to take care of him, she said. Modestly citified. That's a big word. Lucy's live eyes crinkled. Good bear, she said. Bear your friend. I was a young girl once. I came from Swift Current. Married a man. Came here. Now I live on Nebish. He's a good bear. I am 100 years old. I can read. I went to the mission school. She is yep, um, She is 100 years old. She is 100 years old. She can read, and she went to the mission school. Mm. Did you miss it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of taken aback. Um, yeah, I, it really did escalate quickly. She seems pretty uh, cognizant and spry for a 100-year-old. Oh, well. Lucy's face crinkled with some inconceivable merriment. She did not look 100 years old, only eternal. Shit with the bear, she said. He like you, then. Morning, you shit, he shit. Bear lives by smell. He like you. (laughs) So they, they, they shit together? No, she's telling... Our, our girl Lou that she should shit with the bear oh I because it sounded like she was saying that it was good that her and the bear shit together because that means the bear likes her that's what it no 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 she hasn't shit with the bear yet okay yeah no let's see Lou restrained herself from shuddering and heard a motorboat Lucy stood up she came barely to Lou's breast she was old and crooked that's Joe I go snap crackle and she was off <laughs> snap crackle pop that really just was hilarious. I want to be as cool as Lucy one day when I'm 100 years old. Oh my goodness. The bear didn't move and neither did Lou. She had no time to. Lucy was gone. That was all. 100 years old, gleaming, toothless, and gone. A, go- a boat gunned off. Lou squatted and looked at the bear. She thought of the outhouse with its frilled enamel lids. She thought of European toilets with footprints and holes. She looked at the bear and began to laugh. He looked as if he was laughing too. <laughs> You know how bears often laugh. And that is the end of chapter seven. Yeah, throughout the book, she kind of like p- 
puts every and she says this herself about herself that like she's always giving the bear emotions it doesn't have she goes between being like the bear's laughing the bear's happy the bear's withered to like the bear had no expression you know because it's a bear <laughs> yeah let's see I feel sorry for this bear honestly oh well are you ready oh no what's gonna happen the next morning when she went outside, this is a new chapter, by the way, but it is the next page. <laughs> the next morning when she went outside, the sun, as if to compensate for the aberration of the late snow, had real warmth to it. She stood for a moment and stretched in it. It raked her skin through her pajamas. She thought for a moment, then gingerly tiptoed to the bear's cabin, hunkered by its wall, and with some difficulty moved her bowels meagerly. The bear, lying with his body inside, his head in the sun moved its nostrils only. She's... Come on, she said, when she had finished the humiliating act. Come on. Tugged to his chain. Unhooked the chain from the post. At first, he did not respond. Then he got groggily to his feet. When she tugged hard, he padded after her. Hoping that he would not run and drag her fatally after him, she led him to the water. This is the first time she's ever, like, taken the bear out for a date, so... <laughs> she's never even unhooked the bear or touched it. She's only ever fed it. But she did poop in his cabin with him. A romantic first date. Does she not have a bathroom in that cabin? I guess not. Not even an outhouse or something. No, she says at the first, uh, like on the last um, paragraph of the past chapter, she thought of the outhouse and like stuff. But no, she's going to poop with the bear because some random old lady told her to. As you do. I can't. Wow. I'm, 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 I'm taken aback. What are your thoughts? I mean, I can't follow the thought process, to be honest. I guess I'm probably, it's just probably because I'm a really shy pooper, and I really don't like to poop anywhere except the toilet that I where I currently live. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's why I don't poop in front of bears. Mm, yeah, that's a mood. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I, too, don't poop in front of bears. <laughs> It's good. it's good to know that there's someone out there like me. Alright, so this is that night, I believe. Later, she went upstairs again. She was deeply absorbed in the classification of a series of Victorian natural history manuals when she heard an unfamiliar sound downstairs and stiffened, froze, held her breath. A door squeaked open. For a moment, defenseless, she felt panic. Then, without knowing why, she relaxed a bit. The heavy thread that advanced was accompanied by a kind of scratching, claws clacking on the kitchen linoleum. She'd heard him slacking, sla slaking his thirst at the enamel water pail. She went to the top of the stairs. She saw him below in the darkness, staring up at her. Go back to bed, she told him. His thick legs pumped up the stairs towards her. I guess bears don't speak English. <laughs> oh. Who would have thought? To her <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh boy. Let's see. Bop, 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 bop. His thick legs pumped up the stairs towards her. She retreated to her desk and sat on it, hunching towards the window. Inside the house, he looked very large indeed. At the top of the stairs, he drew himself up to his full height, in that posture that leads the bear to be compared to the man with his paws dangling. He's a cross between a king and a woodchuck, she thought, as he moved his head short-sightedly around. Then he raised one hand in salutation or blessing, and folded himself down on all fours again. Deliberately, he walked around the far end of the chimney wall and lay down in front of the fire. He knows his way, she thought. 
She went cautiously to him. He was wriggling like a dog, trying to get comfortable. Well, she said, you've got your nerve. The room seemed darker now. She lit an extra Is lamp. <laughs> Isn't the saying, you've got some nerve? Yeah, that's what I thought too when I was reading it, but maybe it was different in 1970s Canada. You've got your nerve. Also, I'm still thinking about a cross between a king and a woodchuck. Yeah, that's pretty I, I, I know that the author wrote that and kind of sat back in pride at her apt comparison. She was like, yeah, bears are just woodchuck kings. <laughs> now, I will say this. I'm cutting out. I'm only reading the more interesting parts. There are lots of parts where she's just reading old books and like very well the king pro that is most definitely where the king part came from. I don't know about the woodchuck. The woodchuck could have been in one of the book parts that I'm not reading to you now. Gotcha. However, it's definitely really funny out of context. <laughs> Which is basically what we're doing right now. Just having fun out of context. The fire blazed. The bear slept wheezily. Occasional oh, I cut that out. I guess that wasn't a good part. Cut this out, Caitlin. Let's see. So she takes, the next morning, she takes the bear back out to the water. He's having a great time. He's playing in the water. Being a uh, bear. He almost drowns her because she decides to go swimming naked with the bear. Oh, the next step. Yeah, you know, as you do. Um, then she goes back up to work. Now, the long, warm days taught her the meaning of serendipity. She seated the garden carefully, and then on impulse took the pear to root the the pear <laughs> took the bear to root in the moral patch, where he grubbed like a in a kind of ecstasy, digging and snuffling, and once in a while raising his weak eyes to her, going back to work as if there might be no more time. Afterwards, she took him to the edge of the river, where he sat in the winter in the winter. <laughs> Where he sat in the water like a large-hipped <laughs> woman, dragging his bottom on the stones. See, this description just makes me think of a cute, happy little bear just living his life, just trying to have fun, while this lady is just getting horned up and ready to go. I love you, bear, she said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That night, the bear's heavy tread on the staircase did not disturb her. <laughs> Let him come. She had oh, taken no, down a don't book say that. <laughs> she had taken down a book and was making a card for it. She had just shaken it gently. A slim... Okay, let's see. Okay, so we should say now that they... Um... So she's going through these books and she keeps finding notes that the previous owner had made about bears. Um, I don't know why it's important because I didn't do a very deep reading of this book. Was it, is it possible day. that the previous owner was also a bear fucker? See, that's why I read every single one of them. Cause I was like, I want hints for like that. The bear, she's also like the previous owner, the Colonel was fucking the bear. Like, I certainly hope that he wasn't because that's horrible and you shouldn't abuse animals. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think one of the first notes said something about a bear penis, how it has a bone in it, and, you know, regular ones don't. And also that the the female bear's clitoris is high up inside of its vaginal cavity, in case you were wondering. I was not, but thanks. Well, now you know, because you know what? I had to find out. 
for all of you. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Let's see. She looked at the bear. He sat there, solid as a sofa, domestic, a rug of a bear. She went to kneel beside him. He smelled better than he had before he started swimming, but his essential smell was still there, a scent of musk as shrill as the high, sweet note of a shepherd's flute. I told you she likes those similes, man. Like <laughs> She's really going for it. I don't know what that means. How is musk shrill? I don't know. His fur was so thick she could lose half a hand in it. She needed his hunched shoulders. It gave her a strange peace to sit beside him. It was as if the bear, like the books, knew generations of secrets, but he had no need to reveal them. Let's see. And then she finishes the book she's working on, and she goes to bed. Also, there's this amazing line. This is literally me. What am I doing here? Could not be answered with lists. She had another stock of replies, too. Who the hell do you think you are attempting to be alive? <laughs> she justified <laughs> She justified herself by saying that she was of service, that she ordered fragments of other lives. Like she orders uh, books, like puts them in order. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's me. Except I don't fuck bears. Almost the same person. But that's one clear thing that sets you apart. All right. Oh, it's getting real, Kyla. It's getting real. Are you so going to read a bear sex scene? I don't think we're quite there yet. We're getting there, though. So basically what we've got going on here is, like, on the side, she's fucking the groundskeeper. But then also, like, during, like, she only sees him, like, once a week or every once in a while. But, like, every day she goes out. She takes the bear out to the river. She gardens some. They hang out. She does some work. And then the bear comes upstairs and, you know, they cuddle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the beginning of every relationship. <laughs> They're in the dating phase. <laughs> <laughs> They're on first base. Bear, she said, rubbing her foot on his fur. Suddenly lonely. The fire was too hot, and the fur rug had edged towards her. Towards her, Oh, she was lonely, inconsolably lonely. It was years since she had had human contact. She had always been bad at finding it. It was if, if men knew her soul was gangrenous. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't like that. Uh, maybe <laughs> ideas were all very well, and she could hide in her work, forgetting for a while the real meaning to the institute, where the director fucked her weekly on her desk while both of them pretended they were shocking the government. And she knew for her heart that what he wanted was not her waning flesh, but elegant 18th century keyholes, of which there was a shortage in Ontario. Oddly specific. I often, I don't know if this was the intention, but I like to imagine um, that she's referring, like, I don't know, she's comparing vaginas to 18th century keyholes. You unlock the secret. Unlock the secret to the woman. She had allowed the procedure to continue because it was her only human contact. But it horrified her to think of it. There was no care in the act, only habit and convenience. It had become something she was doing to herself. Oh, bear, she said, rubbing his neck. She got off and took off her clothes because she was hot. Oh, no. She she lay down on the far side of the bear, away from the fire, and a little away from him, and began to her desolation to make love to herself. So I didn't lie. It's It's not... Oh wait, no, this is the bear fu- this is the first bear fucking scene. So she masturbates in front of the bear first. 
then the bear is like on the far side of the bear she's laying away from the bear on the floor naked and then the bear's like i'll help like in a porn oh let's see the bear roused himself from his solemnness wait solomons from his sleep he roused himself from his sleep shifted and turned he put out his moly tongue it was fat and as the cyclopedia says let's see vertically ridged he began to lick her a fat freckled pink and black tongue it licked it rasped to a degree it probed oh no it felt very warm and good and strange what the hell did byron do with this bear she wondered Uh. maybe he did fuck the bear (laughs) (laughs) maybe byron did fuck the bear (laughs) okay um let's see he licked he probed he she might have seen okay she might have been a flea he was searching for he licked her nipple stiff and scoured her navel i just want you to take that in i don't like this (laughs) with little nickerings she moved him south she swung her hips and made it easy for him bear bear she whispered playing with his ears the tongue that was muscular but also capable of lengthening itself like an eel found all of her secret places. Oh, no. And like no human being she had ever known, it persevered in her pleasure. <laughs> when she came, she whimpered and the bear licked away her tears. <laughs> and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> I think that might be the best line in the book. <laughs> Good God. That's one of been the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. This was a oh, so this was a mistake. We should never have done this. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast or this book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And this is another chapter. I don't think it's the next chapter. I think it's like the chapter after it. But bear, she cried. I love you. Pull my head off. The bear did not. But her menstrual fever made him more assiduous. She was half afraid of him, but drunk and weak for danger. She took his thick fur that skidded in her hands, tried to get a grip on his loose hide. And when she went deeper into it, she encountered further depth. Her short nails slipped. She cradled his big, furry, asymmetrical balls in her hands. She played with them, slipping them gently inside their cases as he licked. Oh, no. I can't handle this. Oh, I'm upset. <laughs> oh, bear rape. His prick did not come out of its long <laughs> cartilaginous sheath. Never mind, she thought. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not obliged to anybody. I don't care if I can't turn you on. I just love you. Oh, no. Why can't I? Why does no man want me? But but I can't turn this bear on. The weather was at its gayest, blue and blossoming. She swam, and when the channel was empty, she swam to, in great gusts and spurtings with the bear. So she's swimming with the bear again. We've done a jump cut from bear sex 
zooming with bear. All right. Let's see. So she's reading again. Um, bear, take me to the bottom of the ocean with you. Bear, swim with me. Bear, put your arms around me and close me. Swim down, down, down with me. I think she wants the bear to kill her, TBH. <laughs> bear, make make me comfortable in the world at last. Give me your skin. <laughs> <laughs> this lady's like fucking really psycho. <laughs> this sounds like some sort of fucking poetry I would have written when I was seven, like 16. But I definitely wouldn't have been fucking a bear during it. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Bear, I want nothing but this from you. Oh, thank you, Bear. I will keep you safe from strangers and peering eyes forever. Bear, give up your humility. You are not a humble beast. You think your own thoughts. Tell them to me. Bear, I cannot command you to love me, but I think you love me. What I want for you to continue to be and to be something to me. No more, Bear. Oh, well, I have a headache now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, now she's listening to the radio... Bear is snoozing next to her. Bear, she said suddenly, come dance with me. She stood up and began to shift her feet in the Greek pattern, holding up her arms like a Cretan figurine. Slowly, the bear lifted himself up. She had the impression that it hurt or confused him to stand long on his hind legs, that his muscles did not obey him easily in that position. So why the fuck are you making him do it? This poor bear. If you love the bear, stop making him feel uncomfortable and also stop raping him. (laughs) But he stood unsteadily across from her, and as she moved her feet and arms in time to the pulsing music, began slowly to bob and shuffle. (laughs) She watched him. He was wonderful. A strange, fat, mesophorpic mannequin. Absurdly heavy in calf and shoulder. Because he's a fucking bear! (laughs) Making his first attempt to dance upright. A baby, a wonderful, half-balancing, half-smiling, uncertain, top-heavy, plink went the music. Zonk. Plink and zonk. You went away. No, I won't go away, she thought to him. I won't ever go away. I shall make myself strange garments out of fur in order to stay with you in the winter. I won't ever, ever leave you. This bitch (laughs) is crazy, dude. Yeah, like all this time, the director's like, when you coming back, bitch? Come on, let's do this. And she's just like, I'm working very hard. I had to make a garden so I didn't die of gangrene. And he's just like, all right, but like, you know, come back, beeb. She goes, your keyholes. (laughs) She goes, I've given my keyhole to a man with a special key, one that you don't have. I've given my keyhole to a man with a special key. He danced across from her. He moved a little, shifting his weight from haunch to haunch, delicately swaying his enormous feet, sawing his arms slowly in the air. She moved towards him. The Greek clubs in Toronto had played that. Oh, it's talking about a song. Until even an Anglo Saxon learned a few of the words it was a wail of loss of loneliness no one could fail to respond she had never embraced him upright it was hot and strange (laughs) no shit (laughs) (laughs) and strange (laughs) 
Okay. She swayed. She swayed against him. She put her head on his shoulder. He stood still, very still. He did not know what to do because he's a <laughs> fucking bear. <laughs> this poor bear, dude. It's like, what the fuck is going on? And this poor... Like, this poor bear. This poor bear's been ignored ever since his master died. And, like, he's been living out, you know, in the fucking shed. And all of a sudden, this lady comes and is like, you know, you know, maybe she shits in the shed. And I kind of don't like that. But, you know, she takes me out for walks and she lets me sleep by the fire. <laughs> and then this shit happens. This poor bear, he's just kind of going with it because she's the one that provides his food and, you know, takes him for walks, lets him play in the river, which seems to be a very favorite activity of his. And and she's and he just goes along with this so that he can get those things. That's what I think. No, because he's a fucking bear. <laughs> he's a fucking bear. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> poor bear. Poor poor fictional bear. Oh my god. Okay, this is getting worse. Uh, he stood still, very still. He did not know what to do. She remembered herself as a half child in a school gym being held to a man's body for the first time, flushed, confused, and guilty. She wasn't leaving room for Jesus. No, not in that gym that day. He did not reciprocate her embrace. He stood very still as she moved her body as close as possible to his. Then he yawned. She felt his great jaw moving down against her face. Out of the corner of her eyes, she saw the gleam of his teeth and that two of them were missing. She moved away from him. That's gotta smell like shit it's a fucking bear <laughs> she's like all up in his face the music had turned to a strange rubbing picasso rhythmic and stessy systolic systolic systaltic systaltic the bear went down on all fours men began to make strange grunting noises against the violins what a fucking weird song she's listening to <laughs> The bear lay down, his ears pricked in half animal to half-animal sounds. She let him rest a moment and then lay beside him. He excited her. She took off all her clothes. He began his assiduous licking. He licked her armpits and the line between her breasts that smelled of sweat. Yeah. Uh, he licked her boob sweat. <laughs> Byron's dare... Byron's bear dance, she whispered, but he paid no attention. If he had known you, would... The Bew have finished his days among nuns playing with his turdies. Um, so I know that this is a reference to something that she's read. Um, and I'm wondering if she's asking if Byron would have not finished his days among nuns if he had been able to fuck the bear. I don't know if that's <laughs> what I should be interpreting it as, but it is what I interpret it as. Sometimes the bear hap ripped her skin with his efficient tongue. Sometimes he became distracted. She had to conjole and persuade him. She put honey on herself and whispered to him. But once the honey was gone, he wandered off, farting <laughs> and too, too soon satisfied. <laughs> the bear's like, fuck yeah, honey, and then it's all gone. He's like, oh shit, I gotta go get more honey. But she's just using him for sex. Poor bear. I'm he just, just wants surprised honey. that you... S you you um skipped right over farting and too soon satisfied. I pretended to that that wasn't that wasn't there. Yeah, I'm pretending it wasn't there. Oh no, my mic's falling again. Go back, Mike. Oh. Okay, we're back in business again.
eat me, bear, she pleaded. (laughs) (laughs) But he turned his head wearily to her and fell asleep. (laughs) Just like, bitch, get some honey. (laughs) She she had to put a shirt on and go back to work. (laughs) Covered in bear spit and honey. (laughs) (laughs) I hope she has a working shower. Oh gosh. Okay. And then she goes off. She keeps, she works for a little bit and then she has a little bit of a mental break and she goes swimming naked and then she has an hallucination and next chapter. She knew now that she loved him. Oh, she loved him with okay. such extravagance that the rest of the world had turned into a tight, meaningless knot, except for the landscape, which remained outside them neutral, having its own or orgasms of summer weather when there was no motorboat she now swam with the bear swam for hours splashing and fishing him pretty stones which he accepted gravely and held to his short-sighted eyes on the shore he tossed her pine cones in the boathouse she found a ball they sat with her legs splayed on the grass and rolled it between them she tried to toss it but he seemed to be afraid not to be able to catch it so they rolled it gravely hour it seemed after hour (laughs) swam again played seal games he swam underneath her and blew bubbles at her breasts she spread her legs to catch them (laughs) she is so horny for bear she will literally do anything this is like this is like crazy level shit like those dudes who will like jerk off to a two second picture of a girl's feet because that's the best they can get you're not wrong (laughs) Have you ever been as horny for anything as this woman is horny for bear? <laughs> no, can't say that I have. Have you, ever been, have you ever been as horny for anything as bear is horny for swimming and rolling ball? And honey. And Honestly, I'm pro bear. This bear has done nothing wrong. He's just being used and abused. Set bear free. <sighs> okay, this is going to be a long page. Bear with me. Good joke. (laughs) She knew now that she loved him. Loved him with a clean passion that she had never felt before. Sorry, lady. Nothing about this is clean. (laughs) Oh, this makes me feel unclean. (laughs) (laughs) Clean passion. What a weird choice of words. What's a clean passion? What's an un- well? I guess it's the opposite of an unclean passion, which is what this. Yeah, is. this is an unclean passion. If anything is an unclean passion, it's this. So I don't know why the fuck she would say a clean passion. <laughs> Although, unless clean is like um, her passion is true or something like that. So it is not. It's not lustful. It is pure love. I don't know. It seems pretty lustful to me. She really wants to fuck the bear. If it was Maybe pure love, the bear's personality, Caleb. I think if it was pure love, she would be less inclined to have sex with the bear, since the bear is clearly not interested. <laughs> I hate my life. Why did I do this to us? <laughs> uh, once briefly, she had had a lover, a man of elegance and charm, but she had felt uncomfortable when he said he loved her, felt it meant something she did not understand, and indeed... It meant she discovered that he loved her as long as the socks were folded and she was at his disposal on demand. When the food was 
exquisite and she was not menstruating when the wine had not loosened her tongue when the olive oil had not produced a crease in her belly when he left her for someone smaller and neater more energetic and subservient to his demands she had thrown stones at their windows written obscenities with chalk on the side of their building obsessed herself with imagining the neatness of his young girl's cunt he made lou have an abortion oh Ew. oh my dwelt on her name although she never saw her until years later and discovered her to be quite quite plain carved anagrams of her rival's names on her arm in short surprised herself with the depths of her passion chagrin at losing a man who was at heart petty and demanding in short you know this bitch crazy okay you know what lou really needs a therapist she needs a fucking therapist <laughs> Lou needs to be in therapy, and I think possibly could benefit from some meds. I don't know what were available to her in the 1970s, um, but I know they definitely had therapy back then. So, for a week, she had loved the director, for longer than that, perhaps. Certainly, she had been in need of a sexual connection. Cucumbers she had found on investigating the possibilities suggested in Lestrada were cold, Women left her hungry for men. The director shared her interest, was charming and efficient. They had much in common, and they fucked on Molesworth's maps and handwritten genealogies. But no love. She loved the bear. Oh, uh, of course. She felt, she felt him to be wise and accepting. She felt sometimes that he was God. <laughs> he served her. As long as she made her stool beside him in the morning, he was ready whenever she spread her legs to him. Blech. Oh, wait. So I never made this connection before. So as long as she shits with him, he will have sex with her. Oh, so they have that... they have had sex now. because. At... Well, I mean, he did, like, fucking give her oral sex earlier. Yeah, yeah but, like, I'm talking, like, bare penis in her vagina sex. Oh, well, we'll get there. Oh, no. So, okay. So basically, the insinuation we're getting here is that the old lady was telling her to poop with the bear so that it would have sex with her i don't know what that means i think we need to pull out the dream notebook <laughs> and like as long as she pooped with him he was ready whenever her legs spread to him he was rough and tender assiduous patient indefinitely it seemed to her kind she loved the bear there was a depth in him that she could not reach, could not probe, and with her intellectual fingers destroy. She lay on his belly. He battered her gently with his claws. She touched his tongue with hers and felt its fatness. Gross. She explored his gums, Caleb, <laughs> his teeth that were almost fangs. She turned back his black lips with her fingers and ran her tongue along the ridge of his gums. <laughs> once and only once. She experimented with calling him Trelawney. Okay, that has something to do with um, one of the books she's reading about a pirate or something like that. She still worked upstairs slowly. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh my God. This is funny. The fisherman of... This is a quote from something she's reading. The fisherman of Newfoundland, one of Carrie's notes, told her, collect the bones of bear's pricks on the forest and pound them into the walls of their cabins to use as coat hooks. Ah. Of course. His prick was thick, protected, and buried in its sheath. She got down on her knees and played with it, but it did not rise. 
Oh, well, she thought the summer's not over yet. Oh, no. They lived sweetly and intensely together. She knew that her flesh, her hair, her teeth, and her fingernails smelled of bear. Yeah, because you're licking his fucking mouth. And this smell was very sweet to her. Bear, she would say to him, tempting him. I am only a human woman. Tear my thin skin with your clattering claws. I am frail. It is simple for you. Claw out my heart, a grub under a stump. Tear off my head, my bear. <clears throat> yeah, she definitely <laughs> needs therapy. Oh, I'm just, <laughs> I, I read that really straight, but you see, I should be like, bear, she would say, tempting him. I am only a human woman. Tear my thin skin. <laughs> I can't do this. Okay, moving on. She went to Homer's, which is the groundskeeper, as seldom as possible now, and only after swimming, in case the bear's smell carried on the air. Maybe you should fucking bathe. <laughs> she bought more food than she had before. When she cooked for herself, she also cooked for the bear, and he sat beside her on the stoop, and sometimes he picked up his plate and licked it. Aw, that's kind of cute. Can you imagine a little bear just licking his plate? Oh, very good. I do wonder, wrote the director, whether you feel the library is good enough to warrant this investment in time. Go screw a book she wanted to write back to him. She now lived intensely and entirely for the bear. They went berrying together in the woods. He pawed the ripe raspberries greedily into his maw. She saved she saved hers like soft jewels in an old beehive honey tin with a bender twine handle she found in the shed. She wished she could find a honey tree. That's not how honey works. It must be a type of tree. I mean, she wanted to see. There was no like, wait. No, she means just honey. Okay. Yeah, because like mm -hmm. you know, in in Winnie the Pooh, there was always those trees that had honey in them because bees made nests in them. So maybe that's like a You're thing. Right. Yeah, it it elucidates. I was just I was too fast to make a s judgment. Um, she wanted to see him greedy among bees, but he found only worms and grubs under decaying stumps. She found wild asparagus no thicker than trillum stems and cooked it and found it delicious good for her See, this is why this is why you never get a pet without doing research first on like proper feeding of the animal pretty sure bears are not supposed to eat dog food it also makes me think like that bear definitely has like dog breath so imagining just getting up in a dog's face and licking its gums and <laughs> i just want you to think about that think about it caleb think about putting your nose in a dog's <laughs> Dancing with a dog. Well, that's kind of cute. As long as you're closed when you do it. <laughs> One morning, she got on her hands and knees, and they shared their cornflakes and powdered milk and raspberries. Their strange tongues met, and she shuddered. I want to die. I hate this. I hate this so much. <sighs> the weather became very hot. He lay in his den, panting. She lay on her bed, wanting him. But it was not his time. She thought of her year as a mistress, wanting for her extendent exent for her man to come home hungry, not for her, but for steak la poire, now that she had wanted him always in the afternoon. How she had wanted him always in the afternoon, but never dared to ask. How it might have been different, but... On the river, water skiers buzzed like giant dragonflies. It was too hot to work upstairs. She lay naked, panting, wanting to be near her lover, wanting to offer him her two breasts in her womb, oh, almost no. believing that he could impregnate her 
with the twin heroes that would save her tribe. That's another reference to like one of the things she's reading. But she had to wait until night fell before it was safe to see him. It was the night of the falling stars. She took him to the river bank. They swam on the hill on the still black water. They did not play. They were serious that night. They swam in circles around each other very solemnly. Then they went to the shore, and instead of shaking himself on her, he lay beside her and licked the water from her body while she, on her back, let the stars fall. One, two, fourteen, a million, it seemed, falling on her, ready to burn her. Once she reached up to one, it seemed so close, but its brightness faded from her grasp, fading into the milky way. Loons cried, and whippoorwills. Let's see. Oh, oh no, it's getting worse. She sat up. The bear sat up across from her. She rose to her knees and moved towards him. When she was close enough to feel the wet gloss on her breasts, she mounted him. Nothing happened. He could not penetrate her, and she could not get him in. They're on the beach still. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the clarification. Just wanted to make sure you knew. She turned away. He was quite unmoved. Yeah, because it's a fucking bear. <laughs> she took him to his enclosure and sent him to bed. She dressed and spent the night, the rest of the night, lying in the coarse marsh grass. The stars continued to fall. Any, always out of reach. Towards dawn, the sky produced its distant, mysterious green flickering aurora. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, this one's pretty wild. Okay. So, she wakes up restless and guilty. She had broken a taboo. She thinks about one time she threw one of those expensive eggs at a lover's window. Um, uh, she's regretting fucking her director. She's regretting showing her boobs to Homer, the groundskeeper. Um, Is she regretting anything she did with the bear? Hmm. I'm not sure. I feel like out of all those things, that should be the one she's regretting. But that's just she me. She went downstairs. Let's see. She went upstairs and found how little there was left to do. She went downstairs and masturbated. She felt empty and angry. A woman who stank of bestiality. A woman who understood nothing and had no use, no function. So maybe a little bit. I think she's angrily masturbating about it. <laughs> As you do. And then she has kind of like a hallucination about devil. And then the bear, she wakes up and the bear's just kind of watching her and breathing because it's hungry. And then she gets up and feeds him some food. Good. Uh, oh no, here we go. Are you ready? No. Page 131. He sat up across from her, rubbing his nose with a paw and looking confused. When he looked down at himself, she looked as well. Slowly, majestically, his great cock was rising. No. It was not like a man's. Almost because, like, because he's a bear. <laughs> it was not like a man's, tulip-shaped. Immense <laughs> <laughs> penises, tulip-shaped. Is that... No, they aren't. Tool oh, yeah, they are. I was thinking of daffodils. <laughs> okay, okay. <sighs> okay. It was not like a man's tulip shaped. It was, a it was red, pointed, and impressive. She looked at him. He did not move. 
He took her sweater off and went down on all fours and she took her sweater off and went down on all fours in front of him in the animal posture. He reached out one great paw and ripped the skin on her back. Ow. At first she felt no pain. <laughs> I mean, it's what she's been fucking asking for. It's true. You know, when she was menstruating and, you know, getting the bear to fuck her and all that and telling her to rip off her head. <laughs> she simply leapt away from him, turned to face him. He had lost his erection and was sitting in the same posture. She could see nothing, nothing in his face to tell her what to do. Then she felt the blood de- running down her back and she knew she had to run away. Get out, she shouted, pulling her sweater on to, well, warm her, cover it up, sop up the blood. Get out. She drew a stick out of the fire and waved it at him. Get out. Shoo. Time for bed. Go. Slowly and deliberately, he got up on all fours and waddled down the stairs. She put the screen in front of the fire, put her jeans on, blew out the can... Oh, blew out the lamp, picked up her cigarettes and followed him down the stairs. He he knocked something over in the kitchen. He'll smell my blood. He'll want me now, she thought. Go, she screamed. He went out through the back door, scuttling. She walked as directly as possible to the door, bolted it, and went shaking to bed. Let's see. And then she awake. I think that's the last thing I say. Basically, so that's her last sexual, um, what's the word? Sexual, um, encounter with the bear, I believe. Oh, so she, okay, good. She never actually has sex with the bear. I don't think so. Although I think there is some art, if I remember correctly. I can look it up. If you want to also look this up at the same time so you can appreciate this as much as I do, um, just look up Bear by Marion Engel. Okay. And I'm pretty sure there's one where he you can see the bear penis going into the woman. But we'll have to look. Oh, I think I found it. Oh, send it to me. So we can bask in its glory together. It's not, I don't know. No, it's not the same one, but it's close enough. <laughs> no, it's the one I'm thinking of. The bears, they're sitting by a tree and the bear is like on its back against the tree and the woman's sitting on him and you see the bear penis like penetrating her. It's really <laughs> gross. Very gross, but anyway. Yeah, no, I think I'm done now. <laughs> Is that, are you done? It's over? Thoughts in, uh, uh, well, at the end of the book, basically she goes back and they're like, yeah, we probably won't kill the bear unless you get sick or whatever. And she's like, all right, adios. And she goes back to Ontario and then there's a bunch of pages of just like her thinking. And then I didn't read those last few pages because I was short for time and it was boring. I was just enjoying the bear fucking were you enjoying it? <laughs> um, it is what intrigued me. I did not enjoy it. It was what was most intriguing of the book, though. What was that one commenter that was, or the one reviewer that was like about weird sexuality intriguing them? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right, well, do you have any final thoughts on um, this? Wasn't really a review. It was more just me reading saucy parts from the book it i wouldn't call it saucy it's more like rapey but you know whatever. that was a terrible experience i'll say that much that was absolutely wild 
Oh, man. Um, We would like to end with letting everyone know we here at Not Your Grandma's Attic do not condone, condone bear rape. Please don't rape bears. All right. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at <laughs> not underscore attic pod. Wait, hang on. I've got another. Oh, I've got another um picture here that I found that oh, we okay. should definitely make the thumbnail for this. Uh, uh, Is it explicit? No. Okay. Good. I don't. I don't know if this is real or not, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bear, I love you. Pull my head off. Why is he smoking a cigarette? Who knows? <laughs> Why is he gangster, Bear? <laughs> oh, that's great. Make your own. Um, we call to you, our fans, our zero fans. Make us Bear fan art. Also, if you enjoyed this book, please tell us why. Um, I really want to understand what you got from it that I did not get from it. I think I get the gist of what it's supposed to be. Like, you know, this is woman like coming to discover herself and stuff. But I feel like she could have discovered all those things in therapy. That's just my opinion. But that wouldn't have been as nearly an interesting book. Yeah. Maybe, Caleb, this book is the therapy. <sighs> Maybe it's the author's therapy. Probably. Well, she is dead at ed. So, you know, hopefully I'll have my shit a little bit more together by the time I'm 27. At least I certainly hope so. Oh, man, that was rough. Anyway, outro. Outro, okay. You can follow us on Twitter at not underscore attic pod. You can follow me at spiffer with four Fs. And you can follow me, Kat, at at tofu waifu 96. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Please don't fuck any bears.